Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga.com's very own podcast. I'm JP. As always with me are my fearless co-hosts, The Brian. Hello. And Joe. Welcome back. With us today we have Admin. I I can't baw anymore. Hello. <laughs> Last week was lots of baws. Lots of Lots of baws. The eighth Henry. I'm in here now. Pinku. Hey. Nero. Hello. And Winchester. Hello. Alright, so today's subject is comics, comics, and more comics. We are going to finally get around to one of the fun comics that we got at Ape this past year. But first, no housekeeping, because there's no housekeeping. Ha! Housekeeping. How'd you go in there for a second? No <laughs> housekeeping. No, no. House no. is clean. You, know, you need towel? No lemon pledge. You need mint for pillow? No. You need no. me jerk you off? No. Oh, you still want No. No, no, no. See? So let's get into the indie spotlight of the week. This week's indie spotlight is lunarbaboon.com. It is a surprisingly hilarious webcomic. All right, so here is what lunarbaboon.com has on the about page. Sometime in the 80s, a human woman made love to a space monkey. Eight months later, a lunar baboon was born. Lunar baboon is married and has one child. He works as a school teacher and lives a life similar to most North American humans. He is different from you, though, in a few distinct ways. Lunar baboon has too many pubes. <laughs> His body hair count is outrageous. When he eats, he never really feels full. He poops four to five times a day and rarely smells his fingers after. Lunar ba- it's right there on the page. <laughs> so, Lunar Baboon is very fast, enjoys foods wrapped inside a taco shell, and never drinks anything with a straw, even when a straw is required. He is hardly ever satisfied with anything. He pretends to be nice and like human people, but generally does not like most people. This makes Lunar Baboon feel bad about himself. Lunar Baboon currently lives in Toronto, a city full of humans. <laughs> that is debatable. That is one of the... Yeah. I was waiting oh. for that. Oh, oh Canada. We're <laughs> <laughs> uh, home and native land. <laughs> so, Lunar Baboon, that is hands down the strangest About Us page I have ever read. And believe me, I've read plenty. It's well done. Yes, well done. Impressivo. So, I guess I'm gleaning from that About Us page that it's sort of a... Like an odd spin on a biographical webcomic. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those semi-autobiographical ones that are like, you know, this situation was funny, but you know what would make it funnier? Lightsabers. <laughs> and space balloons. <laughs> At the time of this recording, the most recent upload is basically him about to kill his son with a lightsaber. Is his son? Mo- Moishi is the kid's name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really hilarious. He's a Moishi, come and brush your teeth, please. And the kid comes up with a, looks like a wooden spoon and a trash can lid and says, never! And then Lunar Baboon leans over, so it's going to be like that tonight. And then he pulls out a lightsaber, a full actual lightsaber, and says, it's on. It's a toothbrush <laughs> lightsaber. It's a toothbrush lightsaber. Oh, I did just notice that. Any one of those. Yeah, that would be amazing. Any, like, ten of those. Yeah, I'll no. bet they have them. I'll yeah. bet they have them. They have lightsaber everything now. Cheek piercings would become... Joe's so like, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> and common. He'd be I, like... Womp <laughs> So So, yeah, so Lunar Baboon is uh, is all over the place. And really... But, but like, seriously, freaking hilarious. Yeah. Yeah? yeah? Like, I mean, we read a lot of webcomics around here at Pandamanga, and, and we enjoy a lot of them, but this one is so funny. So funny. I mean, had me, like, laughing out loud. Yeah, you told me. It was like, oh, yeah, laugh out loud funny. I'm like, all right, yeah, sure. Because, <laughs> you know, been reading lots of comics. 
But as soon as you sat me down in front of that one, like, you know, not three strips in, I'm busting up. Right. <laughs> Let me just sample my favorite I found so far. Oh, God. Oh, God. Talks about the Eye of Mordor, you know, from Lord of the Rings. It's got this beautifully drawn <laughs> eye. And you're in bed, and you're like, that's the first frame. And he's like, the Lord of Mordor sees all. His gaze pierces clouds, shadows, earth, and flesh. A great eye, lidless, wretched in flame. And then the next frame... It's the cat's butt in his face, so. <laughs> he wakes up and he's got this, he's like dreaming of the eye of Mordor, and he wakes up and just the cat's anus is in his face. What I like, though, is that whenever he's dreaming, the dreams are in color. Right, yeah, yes. isn't that interesting? Yeah. You know, I noticed that there, there was, it's very sparse use of color. Yes. Very, very sparse. And it's usually used to highlight something. And it seems like in his imagination or dreams, that's fully color. One of the really funny ones is when he's standing back on this hillside with his son next to him. And he's like, look at this incredible, magnificent city I built for you. It has this. It has that. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Destroy. And the kid goes, destroy, and then smashes it all. And then it goes back to the black and white or the gray, black and white, gray. And, and then he's standing there and the kid's like destroyed this like little block village that his dad made. And he's like, why? Build it again, daddy. <laughs> build it again, build it again. <laughs> Which is, of course, exactly what happens. It reminded uh-huh. me of an episode of Malcolm in the Middle, where <laughs> uh, where the dad, Hal, and the littlest kid, Dewey, they find all of these different... Yes. Uh, You've seen that episode? Yes. Yeah. They find all of these different, like, giant Lego pieces, like, like bigger than Duplos, <laughs> and they make this insane city in their living room. And then, of course, who destroys it? The mom destroys it, because she falls down and crashes it all. It's just like, that's the first thing that it came to mind. It's so good. It's just, the, the humor in this reminds me a great deal of Louis C.K. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 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 This, like, really candid, sort of, s- sort of snarky, observational humor about having kids. Mm. It's just exactly, exactly the same sort of tone. I mean, the guy even looks a little looks bit like him like in the face, right? <laughs> Except, like, you know, scrawnier in the body, but yeah, who cares? Lucy K has actually got a bit about a bag of dicks, by the way. Does well, really? then. That's, that's nice. <laughs> can, can, can we sue him? <laughs> not even not ours. Even made it first. If we buy the domain name, we maybe can. No, somebody's it. already sitting on a bag of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> that must be uncomfortable. Or well, really comfortable. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why we were looking up domain names and you know exactly. Why. I, I don't know if we're going to. You said that. something about bag of dicks. Yeah, and, I don't know. And I'm because sure I've been watching. Word, I've been listening to Louis C.K. I've been listening uh, yeah, to Pandora. I, I heard that little like comedy bit that he was talking about eating a bag of dicks. I think it was or probably yeah. Yeah. Because somebody like was mad at him in the car, and they yelled, Eat a bag of dicks! And, <laughs> and then he goes into this whole thing, like, how would that even work? And it's, <laughs> He's so funny. Anyway, so we decided, we're all sitting around, we're all a bunch of internet people, and we're like, I wonder if that is available, like .com. <laughs> and so we look it up, and sure enough, who's... who's, who's uh, Sean. Sean has it. Sean has it, but Sean hasn't done anything with it, and the common turn is they're either squatting or sitting on the domain. <laughs> so we're like, so Sean's sitting on bag of dicks, huh? That's... All right, then. He's squatting just as good. Uh, it's even better, I think. <laughs> so as, as I'm thumbing through some of the older comics, I mean, really early, early, early comics from Luna Raboon, I like how a couple of them go together, like like one to the next. A lot of them are just one-shots. And it's neat that he's able to do something that's that's really funny, just as a single snapshot comic, but the next one is directly related to the previous one and is still hilarious. Like they each, mm-hmm. It's not like they lead into each other and you need to read the first one to understand the second one. The first one's not as funny, which happens a lot. So the one that I'm looking at, the first one's entitled Buzz, and it's just him with his copious... 
puppiest body hair, and he's just buzzing everything off. And he kind of looks down after he's shaved everything off with this sort of, you know, pondering face, and then reaches down and just buzzes, which you can only assume, <laughs> which you can only assume is his pubic hair. Well, he said he had too many. He had, he had too many. He counted them individually. Yes, apparently. of course. And so then the next one is entitled Why, and it's just him standing there looking at it. And his wife comes up and she goes, Why? And he says, I heard it makes your penis look bigger. And then there's like two frames of them just staring at his penis. And she says, it looks like a goose with a broken neck. And then just walks off. (laughs) Why does his wife look like his grandmother? Yeah, that was one thing that was interesting, is that the wife looks much older. And I think Mm -hmm. it has to do with the haircut. Mm -hmm. There's a really, really good Tumblr account called References for Artists. And they just come up with all these really, right? It's awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, some of them are it's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, and more. But but some of them are really pretty cool. They reblogged some of my stuff, and I was just like, no, no. <laughs> but one of the things that, uh, that they came up with recently, they're talking about different kinds of hair. And they're talking about how we have assumptions about hair that is pulled up in an updo of some kind and where the ponytail or bun is in relationship to our expectations for like character age and so like the higher ponytail typically is is more young but then if it's a bun it's definitely more older you know if you've got the kind of like the loose ponytail with like hair kind of collecting into it that bulges out on the sides a little bit that's more older so it's it's like it's an interesting choice to make the wife have, like, grandma hair, basically. Yeah. You know? So, but, I mean, who knows? Maybe that's what Lunar Baboon's wife looks like. (laughs) Or maybe that's his mother. Or maybe. (laughs) Uh, No, no. It's it's, it's the wife. No, it's the wife. No, because there's a, there's a joke in here that's really funny that, that shows Baboon and his wife talking to Moishi and saying, oh, mommy wants this, or daddy doesn't like that, or da, 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 back and forth saying mommy and daddy, mommy and daddy. And then at the end, it's got them both laying in bed, looking awkwardly at each other, and then Baboon go, is like, yeah, it's kind of kind of hard to keep the intimacy in a relationship when you spend all day calling each other mommy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. This this comic is just really really funny. There's there's a lot of you know definitely a lot of parent humor. You know, mm-hmm. which I'm finding is is actually pretty common on the web. It seems a lot of the web comics out there deal with parent humor because there's lots yeah, of parents. We just read the six color stories. Six color stories, which is full of parent humor and really yeah. really funny. I keep finding myself wanting to show some of these comics to my friends that have kids and see if they react differently or if it's even mm-hmm. more like connecting with them because I got no freaking idea what it's like to have a kid. <laughs> you know, they but it's can be still pretty funny. Hmm? They can be pretty funny. I'm sure they can. Do you have a kid show that we do? We do we have a talk? No, I, he has dogs though, <laughs> and they that counts somehow. Similar, and they can be pretty funny. They can be pretty funny. <laughs> Your dogs are always funny because one of them always has a giant funnel on his head. <laughs> That's true. One way or another, dog or kid, you're always gonna see him poop him, <laughs> <laughs> and have to clean up. It's true. One thing that I found a little jarring about this one though is that. Well, first of all, all of the script is handwritten. All of the all of the words are handwritten, which for the most part is perfectly fine and actually fits really well. Like Pinku advocates, it's good for the artist to do the lettering, right? Whether they make their own font and then use that font, or whether they actually hand letter everything, there's definitely like it fits better. Lines you make go with other lines you make. Yep, yeah. it's a good. So that that's great. But I did notice that, especially in the more recent comics, or kind of in the middle, there's this tendency to have the whole background be gray and the characters be white, but then the letters that have like a definable circle, like A's or O's or G's or B's, that it's white inside of that, right? Mm. 
You know what I mean? I've seen that before. And, yeah, and it's and it's almost like he draws it all in in, in lines and then just goes fill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then around it and just like misses stuff. Didn't, didn't uh, catch the islands. Right. Exactly. And so and so and it's just kind of like oh, it's just weird. Like it it's very off putting, you know. But sometimes it's not there. So I don't really know what the plan is. It's like at first I was thinking, oh, this is a style. Yeah. You know, but then it's like not in the earlier comics, and it's not in some of the later comics, and so it's just kind of like it's there sometimes. So weird. I, I, I almost it almost really feels like you're like you're saying it's kind of a Phil Island situation. Yeah, I can't just forget think of to it. turn off the non-contiguous button. Yeah, yeah. Didn't use a new layer didn't, for didn't the text. Didn't use a multiply layer or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was odd. Yeah. But anyway, little eccentricities aside, it's really entertaining, and I think that the art style is actually pretty good. What, I think one more that I really liked that came out just a couple days ago was. The one about regret, and it was like the little regret monster <laughs> that looks kind of like a graboid, yeah. right? And, it, and the little little tiny regret monster is, is just kind of inching across the table, right? Mm. And and uh, the son's like, Dad, what's that? And he goes, Oh, that's that's a regret. And he goes, What's that? And he says, Oh, you, you don't you don't have any of those right now. Not not until you're not until you're older. Then you'll have lots of regrets or something like. That. And the kid goes. Oh my god, when I get older, I'm going to have lots of regrets and starts freaking out about it. Uh-huh. And the dad looks at the kind of looks straight at the camera and then the regret jumps on his head. Just starts <laughs> sucking yeah. on his forehead. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, the other thing I thought was cool is that one with the animated frame which uh, has just this kid pointing back and forth and the dad oh, yeah. flipping. That guy looks like a walrus. I've always ah, wanted to witch. do that. <laughs> I so want to do that with comics at some point, but I'm just excited well, the to get a comic. Gift stuff. Oh, hell yeah. But some really cool I stuff. I thought you meant you want to do the whole like be on somebody's shoulders and just, just point jump at people. Around and point <laughs> oh, I do that all the time because Neuro's awesome. But you oh, know. Okay. <laughs> no, you know, another one of the animated gift ones that was really funny had him vacuuming. And it has him, like, he's vacuuming, and he, like, looks over at the chair. or It's showing a thought bubble of what he's thinking about, and he's thinking about the vacuum. And then he vacuums up to the chair, and he's thinking about the chair. And the next one, he's sitting in the chair, and he's like, yeah. And then it has him, like, sitting in the chair for one with nothing going on. And then the next one, it has a little animated gift bubble of all the things that he's thinking about. And he's thinking about his kids, and he's thinking about his wife, and he's thinking about food and money and bills. cancer and bills and death. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one is him vacuuming again. <laughs> It's like it's like don't sit still, don't sit still, don't think about that stuff. Totally, totally relatable. So yeah, any anything else you guys want to say about Lunar Baboon? That was funny. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was really funny. It's like refreshingly funny. A lot of web comics, and I've said this before about uh, when when talking to people that are looking to start doing comics, is that all you need is chuckle funny. All you got to be able to do is go. <laughs> That's, <laughs> you know, because it doesn't cost anything for someone to come check out your webcomic most of the time. So something like Control-Alt-Delete, XKCD, the big ones, Penny Arcade, you know, the stuff that's been really, really successful. There's a lot of them that are really funny, but there's even more that are just kind of, <laughs> that's that's funny. Like, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be amazingly funny. And a lot of the time, it doesn't actually get you to actually laugh right out loud. But this one does on a way more regular basis than I'm expecting. That's definitely my takeaway from Lunar Baboon, is that it actually gets me to laugh right out loud way more regularly than most webcomics. I've never definitely. seen Neuro so animated about a, another webcomic that wasn't XKCD, so I'm sort of... Yeah, yeah, it's impressive. That's a good... Even uh, though I'm not a father, you can really connect with the father-son thing. Just totally, like, totally. <laughs> yeah, Lunar Baboon, definitely, definitely good. So so you can go and check out Lunar Baboon at LunarBaboon.com, spelled just the way it sounds. You can follow Lunar Baboon on Twitter at LunarBaboon. Also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Lunar Baboon. Man, that's uh, that's awesome. It's not easy to get that kind of brand recognition all the way across. You normally have to add something on there. That's pretty awesome. So, But then again, that's very unique. Yeah, that's definitely... Yeah. I think I've never, ever heard of a Lunar Baboon before. That's the first time for me, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a musical break. When we get back, we're going to get into our indie comic review. 
A Thieves' Tale by Maya Kobian. You're listening to Geek Life. Stick with us. Now, for those of you that have been listening in the past couple episodes, Geek Life has partnered with Audible to bring you a special offer. So if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash geeklife, you can pick up a free audiobook and a free one-month trial of Audible's excellent service, offering over 100,000 different audiobooks for many different devices. In addition to that, we always like to recommend an excellent book. The admin has been a member of Audible for a long time and has pages and pages, 60-something books that you've read, yeah. So she wanted to recommend a book for you today. So the admin recommends. I am actually going to recommend Darkly Dreaming Dexter, which is the first of the Dexter book series in celebration of the fact that they just announced that the final season of Dexter will be released in June of this year. So excited. Yes, I am quite eager. It's easily one of the most amazing shows on television. Yeah. Now I understand it deviates pretty heavily from the book, right? Yeah, the first book is pretty faithful, but from then on it... The first season... Yeah, the, the first, first book, book to the first season are it's pretty faithful. There's one major change, which uh, I won't reveal because it's kind of a big twist. So yeah, aside from that, no, it's pretty faithful. Yeah. So yeah, there are seven books in the series now, but the first one is Darkly Dreaming Dexter, and it is written, of course, by Jeff Lindsay, and it's narrated by. Jeff Lindsay. So yeah, this is one of those instances where the author is also the narrator, which is always kind of interesting. That's like the nerdist way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So in Darkly Dreaming Dexter, we kind of get the first introduction to Dexter and his inner monster, and it's really interesting to get a little bit more inside his head than perhaps we do in the series. Yeah, my understanding is, is that in the series, the what he refers to as his dark passenger on mm-hmm. a very regular basis is almost more like a way to describe his urges, and instead of, as it is in the books, a very distinct separate personality that actually has like a like like a visual aspect to it. He actually describes the way it looks with like black wings and yeah, yeah. It's a full on monster. Yeah, and in some of the later books, he actually visualizes it separate from himself, kind of standing off to the side, kind of like a little bit like his father does mm. in, in the, the TV now, series. Is, is that situation with his father happened in the books? Um, I don't think so. I, I think he has some flashbacks to mm. his father, but nothing like they do in Not the like series. just the conversations. Right, right, right. So maybe that, okay. Does he ever converse with the Dark Passenger that, that you've seen? <sighs> yeah, a little bit. Mm, uh, that'd it, be it's, cool. Yeah, it, it's definitely not the same. Uh, but the instances when they do interact is really interesting. That happens a few books later when uh, Rita actually enters the picture. Oh, wow. Well, enters the picture more. She's, you know, there pretty much from the beginning. Right, but she becomes a, a major player. Later. Right, right, yeah. right. And so do the kids. 
yeah, actually after book one, when the deviations start happening, it's really interesting because it still feels like with it's it's within the world of the show, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like the what ifs of comic book fame. Sure. You know, yeah. the alternate worlds and that sort of thing. It's, it's really interesting. And my favorite part about the, actually the book of the show itself, um, is the opening scene in the first episode dead on exactly the same as the book. To, so when I first, I saw the series first, and then when I started listening to the book, and that scene happened, and it was exactly the same, I almost got chills. I was like, oh my god, yeah, it's really Dexter, ah! Everybody that I've ever talked about Dexter 2, I always say, just what, because you know, you say like, oh, give it a couple episodes sometimes, you know, show, you know, like, oh, it's really good, but you gotta give it a couple episodes, get its pacing, you know, start to catch some traction, and... That is not how Dexter is. If you watch the first 10 minutes of Dexter and you are not, like, grabbed by the short and curlies, it is not for you. Mm-hmm. It is amazing, those first couple minutes of Dexter. It's just powerful. And it is a perfect example of the tone, the power, and the intensity of the series. It's exactly what it is. Have you ever seen it, Joe? No. No. Oh, it's, it's very good. Very yeah. Good. It's one of those magical series where they cast the exact perfect people for the roles. Mm-hmm. So you can go back and forth between the books and still have the same vision of the characters. Yeah. It's really great. That's awesome. Cool. So admin recommends darkly dreaming Dexter, Dexter book one available on audible. Remember you can go to audibletrialcom forward slash geek life to get a free copy. This is an excellent place to start. So darkly dreaming Dexter, definitely a very, very good recommendation. Thank you. Admin. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Well, let's get into our indie comic review. We picked up this comic from Ape. We ran into uh, Maya Kobabe at the last Ape in October 2012. Had a bunch of fun there, and she was one of the many people we talked to, and we actually recorded an interview. And we'll go ahead and play that for you now, just to give you a little intro straight from Maya and uh, see what she has to say about the comic. So, So here you go. Hey guys, this is the admin at day two of the Alternative Press Expo, and I am here with Maya Kobabe. And uh, you've got kind of an interesting spread going on. I see a comic book and some really pretty illustrations. So what do you got going on today? Well, this is our first time having a table at any convention, so we went with the let's overwhelm them with way too much stuff option. Awesome. There's also three people sharing this table. I'm here promoting the first issue of my comic book, The mm-hmm. Thief's Tale. Also, my sister is here with knitted mohawk hats. Which are And awesome. a good friend of mine from high school and even elementary school, Shamisa Kellogg, has children's book illustrations. Oh, wow. So we have a lot of things going on here. I also have original art and letterpress stuff. Like I said, overwhelm them. <laughs> hey, that's a good technique your first time out. So uh, let's Let's talk a little bit about your comic. I actually saw it sitting on a table up in the rest area. So uh, you definitely have the viral advertising down, which is great. I uh, came here a couple years ago and quickly found out that free stuff is really the way to get people to take things because Absolutely. everyone can afford free. So I have a huge pile of the first six pages of my comic mm-hmm. as free samples, and I've been I ran out yesterday. Oh wow! Um, by like lunchtime. Oh. So I made even more for today. So hopefully they'll last a little bit longer into the day. I've been trying to give them to everyone. I'm at the very early stage of my career where it's more important for me to have people hear about my work than necessarily pay for it. Mm -hmm. Though it would be great if they paid for it too. (laughs) Right, of course. So I think I saw on the back of your little six-page pamphlet there that you are a recent graduate of a local university? I am. I graduated in May 2011 Mm -hmm. from Dominican University. That's Mm -hmm. in San Rafael. It's a pretty small school, so lots of people haven't heard of it, even if they're from this area. Mm -hmm. It has a really great art department though, and it's small, so all the teachers give great personal one-on-one attention to all the students, even after you graduate. I still meet with my advisor for lunch. 
much. Oh, and wow. And she's wonderful. It's Lynn Sondag, one of the chairs of the department. Wow, that, that's really impressive. And it really does show in your work. Uh, one thing that actually drew me to you is for somebody who's such a recent graduate, you have amazing frame pacing. And that's why when I read on the back, recent graduate, 2011, that's not right. This looks like the act of a professional, somebody who's been out in the field for a while. So well, I mean, thank you. kudos on that. Before you went to college, did you have a background in art or how did you find yourself on the path of a comic book artist? Oh my gosh, people have been asking this all day. When did you start? And it's like, well, I've been drawing since before I can remember. <laughs> my mom has boxes of crayon drawings from when I was like two years old. Oh wow. Um, but when did it become get into comics? Probably in junior high, I started reading back when Manga was this rare, elusive beast that you could only sort of find in comic book stores. I would pick it up at the library. I would read anything and everything. And I really got into, got into it in high school and then kind of let it go a little bit in college, actually, mm-hmm. and started focusing more on book illustration. I also want to do children's books, another okay. goal of mine. Um, but then this spring, Matt Salady, who teaches usually at CCA, did a class at Dominican University, and I was able to audit it as an alumni. Oh, awesome. Um, and so this whole Thief's Tale story all started in that class back in January. Oh, wow. Um, so this is actually a recent concept for you as well. Yes. Wow. I ran a little webcomic, but it was very simple and a totally different uh, style earlier. But And I have a five-page comic that I did in 2010. But this is aside from that, this is really my first comic. Wow, that's I'm really a impressive. That, that is great. I mean, I see great things for you if this is just your early stuff. <laughs> Thank you. So we've got volume one out right now. I do. Uh, when are you seeing volume two coming out? Um, before December. Oh, great. Yeah, the story's almost done. This story arc is only 32 pages. Okay. Issue one is 16. Issue two will also be 16. Mm-hmm. I have all but four pages drawn. Oh, so literally wow. I have four more pages in the cover to do and then I can put out a shoot too. That's really great. So I know with certainty that our fans are going to want to check out your work. So if they wanted to take a look at what you have, where can they find you on the internet? I am all over the internet, awesome. actually. For The Thief's Tale, the website is Thief's Tale, T-H-I-E-F-S hyphen T-A-L-E dot smackjeeves.com. Okay. So that's for the webcomic. I'm also on DeviantArt, redgoldsparks.deviantart.com, Tumblr, redgoldsparks.tumblr.com, and I have a website with CarbonMade at redgoldsparks.carbonmade.com. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us, and we're going to link to your site so uh, all of our fans can come and take a look at you and become fans of you as well. Fantastic. Great. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you so much. specifically wanting to interview Maya. Something about this comic really drew you to it. What was that? I really liked her pen technique, and I still really do. 
if you kind of look at it, it looks like she just drew it straight out with pen, which is pretty impressive. She's got a lot of really nice clean artwork, which you don't see a lot, especially for people who just got out and, you know, working on their first comic. So that's what really made me sit up and take notice. Definitely. Well, let's just talk a little about the story. So the story basically follows the thief Delia, is often called D or Delia maybe, more often than not called D by her friend Owen. By the way, D mm. is totally unclear whether or not D is a male or a female <laughs> until it weighs in when D is referred to as she by a auxiliary well, is, character. Is Delia a male name? No. No. No, no, but it, honestly, but, who knows? Yeah, but I don't know. I looked at that and I'm thinking to myself, I have no clue. No, but I know what you mean actually because before, you know, before, when I was just skimming through it, I didn't really read as specifically female until right. I went and looked for the name. Right. I mean, I guess I could go kind of either way, but I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, you look at it, she's yes. wearing yeah. mosquito bites, but mosquito bites. Yeah, she's she's wearing like a male clothing instead of a dress. She's wearing pants and boots and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, she's pretty androgynous yeah. character. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah, you've got she's got considerably longer hair than Owen, the other main character. But at the same time, this is medieval type times, and so it's mm-hmm. not uncommon for men to have longer hair anyway. Plus, she's a roguish type, and he's a shop boy. Exactly, exactly. So it was that was one thing that I found really jarring. I had totally assumed that it was that that uh, that D was a guy. Mm. You know, I mean, maybe mm. foolishly because the you know the name is definitely not very male sounding, but. Yeah. But for some reason, but in I'd, fantasy that doesn't really. Yeah, exactly. So I, I had totally assumed that D was a guy that because that was sort of the, the way the character interacted with the other one. It seemed like a couple of guy friends. There's not mm-hmm. a lot of sort of feminine energy exuding off of D, and that was really surprising to me. I don't know. Maybe men did it, did it seem was that surprising to you guys too, or am I the only person that was just oblivious? Yeah, to that? no, no. It, it was quite a bit of a shock to me, and I was like, wait, what? It's Deza, she? Right. And then, like, they have another courier coming who's also a woman. And so I was like, well, maybe she's just being confused as being a girl because they think she's this other, or he's this other courier, which is a she. Right. Until, yeah, yeah, until there's, like, some consistency about referring to D as a she. So, yeah. a- anyway, so D comes in and she is stealing some pastries and all of a sudden runs into her friend Owen who's like, hey, stop it, cut it out. So it's clear that Owen is sort of the straight arrow, has a job, working for a living sort of guy, and D is the, you know, living on the fringe rogue type who's stealing stuff and, you know, serious klepto. I do what I want. Exactly, exactly. You know, obviously D is the main character, but D has this sort of penchant for, instead of going the, the normal upright path, it's like quick, you know, quick cash, quick money, let's have an adventure sort of thing. And so... Quickly, Dee explains to Owen that, you know, all of her stealing is perfectly fine because pretty soon she's going to be rich and she'll be able to pay everybody back. Oh, and sure. Right, exactly. Because that's her first thing on her list. Yes, of course, yes. <laughs> and Owen's like, oh, really? What's your plan? And so Dee plans to go and rob a monastery. It's like right when you're thinking, like, oh, maybe Dee's not such a bad person. It's like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it telling that I didn't even flinch at that? Like, oh, yeah, that's wrong. Oh. <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah, steal from monastery. That sounds like a good idea. Let's just do that. That's Church was corrupt back in the day? Sure. Anyway, sorry. Why is it only gnomes in the monastery? Gnomes, right? Um, I was wondering that myself. Yeah, what is that about? Because it's that like the militant gnomes. Every one of them had a spear. Yeah, yeah, but then they also had sashes that says library guard. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, and runic. Yeah, I was wondering about that. So, oh, did it actually say that in runic? Yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, the thing nice is, touch. Is, Very nice. Nice touch, Maya. Well, the thing is, is it is the treasure of this like monastery. So right. If you think about it that way, they're. 
guarding the treasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when it came all the way to the end, it was kind of like, and this is the treasure. It was one of those like, but moments. It's like, sadly, I saw that coming from a mile away. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you see that. You see it coming, but it's just kind of like, oh, you know, the story wasn't exactly, you know. Oh, what the twist! But, yeah. uh, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, like, the way that I felt like D's one of those get rich quick scheme kind of people, and yeah. and that never works. And that never works. And you know, but it was still a fun ride in yeah. the story. You know, when the wizard girl came out of nowhere and started just hurling fireballs around in the library. Like, oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> Did not expect that. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I, I think that I think that the story was was easy to follow, was understandable. It took you through a little bit of character development. If this is going to be something that's ongoing, this is a nice first chapter. It's a nice I, first I, issue. I just want to know why she was rewarded with four hundred pounds of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> like, like that seems like an awkward. Well, the most- Did it seem to anybody awesome. else that the abbot was it? The abbot was it? Or, yes. mm-hmm. Yeah, that he because hey, he, 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 he makes he makes this kind of like kind of like you know one one eyebrow up, one eyebrow down, sort of look at her, at her, and it's like so like always nice to. Spend time with someone with good intentions, you know, kind of like uh, hit, hit, wink, wink. It's like it's like it's pretty clear that they knew that that she was there to steal some shit, mm-hmm. you know. Sends him off, sends her off with a, a big wheel of cheese. Well, I'm sure when you figured, oh, this courier never gave me a message. Yeah. Hmm. Right. I'd fully assumed you to be like, uh, you know, them to be like, by the way, where's your message? Like, oh, we got burnt up in the fireball. That's what I was, <laughs> I was expecting. waiting for that one too. No, right, right. didn't even touch on that. So enough about the story. Let's talk about the art style. We, you know, that's what drew Admin to it over in the first place. In the interview, Admin mentions frame pacing, and I agree, it's very open feeling. It doesn't feel congested, even though it's a lot of detail on a lot of these yeah. panels. Yeah, well, she is right about the frame pacing. It's really great how, you know, okay, she's really deliberate about the way she expresses time in these different panels and the fact that they're sized very deliberately. And there's not too many crammed onto the page, you know. It's it's one of those really basic things, but you really come to appreciate it after going through so many comics. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. um, Art-wise, I think that it could use some work, especially because of the fact that the figures don't really come they blend too much into the background in yep. some of the in, in a lot of the frames actually all of them just you know I'm, I'm sitting about maybe a foot away from them and in frame in certain frames i can't tell who the main characters of interest are versus just background characters because there's not a whole lot of variation in line weight and i'm not saying that you have to vary your line weight all the time forever yeah but anyway, i mean it looks but, it looks like it was you know she's like i'm gonna use a multi-liner 0.3 and that's it yeah, for the it, whole character. It really you know? would have helped here, at least. Or at least to ar- to arrange your darks in a way that would at least point, th- direct the eye a little more, rather than just like, chickens are this color, and shoes are this color. Because there's a frame where there's a character kneeling and looking down the chickens. And I'm not really noticing the character, even though she goes to uh, some lengths to at least remove it from the background there, by reducing that. The hatching, sort of like, a, it gives this halo effect around the character. Which I actually found kind of distracting. Oh yeah, well... Hmm. And really, I think it was done is, uh, better in the next frame where they're still hatching behind it, but the actual yeah, fence. Yeah, there's a little tongue behind it, so yeah. that the character pops out a little mm-hmm. bit. But in that introductory frame, I'm sort of not even looking at this character. I'm looking down because there's a lot of it's, a lot of it's, detail it's, on the chicken. Yeah, it's a, you know there's detail in places where I don't think I'm supposed to be looking. Right. So you know a little more work of that, and also yeah, it, it, there is sort of a flat sense. There's sort of a paper doll thing going on with some of the characters. I noticed especially when the characters have full body shots, especially in the dynamic shots. A lot of the time, the poses seem a little bit awkward. Yeah, yeah they're seeing. You know? I mean, they it's, seem it's not like they're bending in positions that are anatomically incorrect, and it's like, oh shit, that person's leg is breaking right now. It's but it not it seems like a that. Little but stiff, you know, it is very yeah. There's because this, there there's are, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of front view and there's kind of three quarter view and then straight profile, and it doesn't. 
what happens is the camera angle doesn't really go up or down. It's usually it's eye all very level eye level mm-hmm. throughout. But I think that could be uh, broken up a little bit just for variety, even for variety's sake. Just you know, so you can it adds to the pacing, and it adds you know to it adds a certain rhythm to how time passes. Even if you change the camera angles up a little bit to emphasize certain things, and maybe add suspense to certain moments. I feel like a huge way for Maya to see a lot of improvement in human believability of the characters on the page, especially when there's more than just like a bust shot, would be to, and who knows, maybe she's doing this already, but to use a lot more reference photos. Because it feels like whenever you're using yeah. a reference, when you're coming from a reference photo, and it, it doesn't even, I don't know, but when you're coming from a reference photo, there's just this sense of humanity to the character. Right. If like, you really draw from a, from a reference photo, there's just like the pose, the the subtle stuff. It's like the difference between a classically 3D animated character or a, an, or a character that's done with mocap. Like there's just something about the little twitches and wiggles and and just sort of human imperfections in the way that we move and walk instead of that perfect sort of robotic rhythm of the early 3D animated characters. That's sort of a comparison that I draw in my mind between drawings that are figure drawings that are done from memory or just imagined up based on sort of like, because we, we all as artists in our mind, we have this sort of classic wooden mannequin. We have that kind of in our head. We are talking about like the bean shape the other day, yeah. starting from that and building out. And you can go a long way with that. But I feel like well, we it's memorize. always better to go from reference, no matter what. It will always look better. Any picture you've got, if you can have a reference photo of some kind for the pose from the right angle, it will always enrich the picture. Yeah, period. we memorize a lot of symbols for certain things because you can't always reference every stupid little sure. thing. At some point, you got to know how to draw a hand from certain angles because you don't have time to, you know, right, exactly. sit there and painstakingly copy. But at the same time, you can tell that this you can tell that this art needs a lot more figure drawing just under her belt mm-hmm. because um, a lot of these poses, yeah, they look all right, but there's they're lacking a certain weight, I think in terms of like actual gravity delia's ponytail in some of these frames they it just so kind like of like ron no one half gravity to find yeah, just, yeah, but, kind just, of, but there's no sense there's no reason for it where ron met sort of like an emotional thing sure when when the braid like you know, long yeah the braid shoots up when ron is pissed or shocked or something but here it's just sort of sideways right, well it's like you know d is creeping along the side of a building in the shadow and the hair is just like woo, yeah. up to the side for some reason but on the other hand i think it's kind of cute too even though it just because it kind of reminds me of a cat's tail. So she's True. so it sort of yeah. personifies the character. Like, oh, you're kind of cute. I like you. Yeah, the hair definitely is sort of emotive. It's not just hanging out there I think and she can reacting. Push it further. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the whole, it's pretty entertaining and you know, the art is really solid. I do think that a little bit more character reference or familiarity or comfort with the figure drawing and giving it sort of that natural weight in the environment, gravity, and, you know, be, like. What's the term? Uh, being clear about, about the center of gravity and how it affects the figure. It- oh, yeah. Like, I don't know. My teachers always said it was a, just a sense of um, figures planted to the surface they're on. Right, because there's, there's a big difference between figures that, that are in a pose that look like they're just kind of floating there. Right. Or figures that, figures that look like, okay, they're... They belong in the scene. Right, Character exactly. and environment sort yeah. of thing. But I do think that more than anything, because there's a whole range of all that sort of stuff, and it doesn't mean that a comic is necessarily good or bad based on the way the figures are posed, I would say that the thing that would do the most to improve just the the pop and feel of this comic would be to have a varying line weight. Because the line weight is so consistent throughout the whole thing. The backgrounds, the, mm-hmm. the animals, the 
the cross-hatching, the shading, the characters, the lines, the clothes, the flesh, the hair, everything is the same line weight. Mm-hmm. Almost, I mean, at least almost exactly the same line weight. I mean, at least from where I'm standing. Does that yeah. look right to you? Yeah, well, you know, even even offhand, if, if you really didn't feel like, if you really didn't want to do that for some, you know, personal reason or, or something like that, you can even do something just like reserve the toning or, or tone the entire background and not the figures. Sure. Or, you know, the, yeah, like the or, scene right here where Owen is standing in front of the chicken coop and the chicken coop has hash has like cross hatching all the way across the back or not cross hatching but has like a line shading all the way across the back and then a little bit of cross hatching on his leg and you know some just sort of like line shading on the body like it the figure pops way more out of the background it feels more three-dimensional and realistic in that one panel in comparison to all the other panels yep. in the comic i know where i'm supposed to look there's right. the dialogue or well i guess the thought bubble and then there's the figure and you know the expression is in the first third of the frame so Right, I mean, it's like a very clean use of negative space, even though there's still a lot going on in the background, not just black and white or tone and not tone, you know, but... Good lettering, though. Yeah, yeah, it's all all hand lettering, and it, I mean, there were, I was looking at it, and I thought to myself, no, that is hand lettering, and I found myself looking at it and looking at, like, two ends next to each other and being like, no, that's hand lettering, but it's almost as if it was a font, because it's so consistent. Yeah, you know, it's funny, because... steady hand. You know, sometimes I don't pay attention to it and that kind of thing. I actually really like her uh, her penmanship here, her uh, yeah. her lettering hand here. It's really good. It's all very consistent, very clean. It looks great. Like it's. I wish that I could hand letter like that. That's really awesome. I can't. That's why I make fonts. Bitch, <laughs> 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 try and write an A fifteen times and save the best one. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, so definitely, definitely a fun comic worth worth a worth a read. And I think that she's moving into working on the second issue of it, if you look at her Smack Jeeves account. Oh, yeah. Oh, and the yes. other thing I noticed, too, is in reading her, her six-page edition, it was actually more gripping to me on its own uh, initially than when I went through it on the web, mm. because I guess it sort of broke it up into a chunk for me. Sure. So I, I read a bunch on the web, and then I just read the, I just reread the six, the print edition, and I thought, oh, okay, wow, I actually want to, now that, you know, it's sort of separated and yeah, it was definitely it, a really good stopping point yeah. left you yeah. going like what happens next it, ah! it made me pay better attention to it sure. i think rather than just like all these pages in my face mm-hmm. one thing that i did notice is we were talking before about how d is kind of androgynous mm-hmm. and looking at these earlier ones you can kind of see that her chin is more angular than the rest of the males are mm-hmm. so that's kind of a sign but when you go and meet up with this other woman who's a royal courier just facially, she's massively different. You can tell that's a woman. But I also, looking back, noticed that once you start getting to the gnomes, the quality of the faces, there's actually a lot more detail on them as well as on the body. So I'm curious if, as we've talked about, art styles kind of evolve over time. And I'm Even just within one story. Even yeah. within one story. I mean, mm-hmm. who knows how long it took her to do all of this. I mean, maybe she did, like she was saying, she did some of these while she was doing some auditing. So maybe these first parts were, and then later on she came back to it. I don't know. You know, I'm just speculating here. I think but, it was all done within within you know within a year at least. But yeah, within a year. But still, I'm curious if she's going to keep Owen and Dee kind of like the same, and then have everybody else look different, mm. or if she's going to morph them as well. well. It's always interesting to see a comic evolve, and that is a, yeah. that is definitely mm-hmm. a trend in web comics. A lot of the time, web comics are sort of like the testing grounds or something like that, and and one of the first places that you put your work out into the world, and you know you're you're constantly trying to get better, and so you're willing to go like, well, you know, I, I kind of like the way that this looks a little better, and your characters, yeah. you know, instead of evolve, I like to think that they sort of 
come into being a little bit better. You know, it's like they become more fully realized. It's like if you mm-hmm. read 70s Garfield strips compared to today's Garfield mm-hmm. yeah, Like, strips. it looks like the same character, but, yeah, like, the new Garfield looks... A, yeah, the current Garfield, you know, he's obviously... He's uh, polished. He's got, yeah, he's got, like, a... I'll bet there's some sheet, you know, in a corporate office that lists, like, his exact draw... The, the exact way to draw Garfield and, like, the mm-hmm. list of approved artists that are allowed to draw Garfield officially, because mm-hmm. that's usually how that works. Yes. And, but 70s Garfield is, like, he's gelatinous. Yeah, 70s Garfield is a fat ass. <laughs> it's freaking Yoda. Well, let's like, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and go around and give our review. So, out of five issues, how many would you like to give a Piku? Mm, I'm gonna do two and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I was originally gonna rate lower, but like wh- like I said, when it was broken into the other chunk, I suddenly became more intrigued, and it made me a little more aware of how it was paced. And also, I appreciate like Brian pointed out the different body types and that sort of thing. And, and sure. there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of technical stuff that I do like in this comic. So, uh, you know, it's, um, title characters, or the main character's really cute. <laughs> Charming. So two and a half from Pinky. Brian? Yeah, I'm going to go with a three. It is kind of a very charming little thing. You've got your lovable loser um, character, and I kind of think that it might go along that sort of ways, you know, always trying to get the quick buck, but never quite getting it. Sure. As you see in, like, a lot of cartoons and sitcoms and stuff like that. So, yeah, I'm kind of intrigued to see where it goes from here. Awesome. Joe? Uh, I think I'll go with a three and a half. I was really charmed by the story. Mm -hmm. The art style sat pretty well with me. I've never been quite the art snob that you guys are. (laughs) Snob! (laughs) But the story kept me going, so I'd read more. Definitely. Uh, Yes. uh, I'd give it two two issues. Uh, The art was nice. Uh, I appreciated that, but uh, the story I felt was a little lacking, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't hook me in the second one, it'd be like, well, that's kind of it. Right. Um, but aside from that, it's good. Admin. Three. I'd like to see where the story goes. Art is good. I think I'll go with a two, five myself. I think that there's a lot there to like, and it has down cold one of the things that I find most important and most off-putting when it's done incorrectly, which is a nice sort of open, breathy feeling for the frame pacing. Like Pinku said, it has a nice sense of time and speed and movement within the frame pacing and it doesn't feel congested even though there's a huge amount of detail on the backgrounds more than i was expecting honestly as i was going through it a steady hand went through this and and must have been painstaking you know the the amount of detail especially on the castle and the bricks and things like that Mm -hmm. it's a huge amount of detail went into all that and and it looks really well it doesn't look like it was too much detail and busy it was really good but for me that line weight thing is a is a serious hitch i have a hard time feeling like the character's leap off the page and that's something that's really important to me i want to be able to feel like flesh is fleshy i want to feel like hard starchy clothes are hard and starchy and that you know soft silky things look like that and that is the only way to communicate that is with line weight i mean though the best way to communicate that there's lots of ways to communicate sensation and texture and things like that but for me especially when you're dealing with just black and white it's all about line weight to make it feel and describe what the material's like, you know, thicker thicker lines for fleshy parts and thin, sharp, clean lines for a shirt or something like that. It's just a huge part for me. So, mm. but yeah, I would very much like to see the next issue and like to see where it goes. It's a good, fun comic. Yeah, I'll yeah, read. Definitely. If you would like to read The Thieves' Tale, you can go to thieves-tale.smackjeeves.com. It's got the first page, which is just the cover of issue two, along with the entire issue one. If you'd like to read the whole issue, paper form, in your hands, you can actually get it from Etsy. 
You can go to Etsy and search for The Thieves' Tale, and uh, it should come right up. Pretty much top of the list, if I remember when I looked for it. We will also put a link in the show notes straight to purchase the comic, as well as the website. You can find Maya's portfolio on redgoldsparks.carbonmade.com. You can also follow her on DeviantArt at red-gold-sparks.deviantart.com and follow her on Tumblr at redgoldsparks.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening to episode 40 of Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamanga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamanga.com. If you would like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is Pinku, and we'll see you next time. Bye! Bye! Bye. Bye. You can follow Lunar Baboon at Lunar uh, Baboon. You, you can follow her. Follow her father. You can father Lunar Baboon by with, with your bag of dicks. And just give it a blink. Send out your favorite bag of dicks. That is recorded right now. Damn it! Ah, <laughs> yes. oh, now, we don't, now we don't need to write it down. Ah, <laughs> shit. All right. Send it around. Oh, and no one was making noise when she did that. Perfect. Perfect. It's, damn it! <laughs> Damn it! Okay, send that to Tiger Paw. Make sure he has a great Shit. song. Fuck off! No. Dicks. Dropping the dropping the dicks. Okay, ready?